4: Thank you so much. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you. Coast to coast, border to border, and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. How about the Habs, man? Les béton de Quebec. The Vegas Knights, probably in a state of shock. First of all, of course, it's a little weird that a Western team is playing a team some... 3,000 miles away, but that's just the way it worked this time around with a Canadian uh, division, but they're heading to their first final are the uh, Canadians since 1993. You know, that's the last time that the nation of Canada had the Stanley Cup of any team, and I know there aren't as many Canadian teams anymore, but that Pettigua team, 1993 was the last time the nation of Canada had a Stanley Cup in its grasp. So, I mean, what a dramatic finish. Aturi Lekkonen scores the game-winning goal. It's a Cinderella run. This is a team that, when the postseason started, not even the beginning of the year, but when the playoffs started, 500-1 odds and uh, a 3-2 overtime win to end the series uh, in six. And um, now I should say to win, the last team that made the final for Canada were the uh, Canucks 10 years ago. Uh, And they had to go through San Jose. That was very disappointing. Uh, I remember that very well. And that delay of game scooped over the net by the Swedish guy was... All right, We won't get into too much. But anyway... Uh Abatons. How about the Habs? And then we'll see what happens between the Isles and um, if the Islanders can lose a game to Tampa eight to nothing and still find a way to get through in seven, I will be very interested in uh, such a thing. But uh, of course that's tonight and the game the series is tied three3 so it's a uh, it's a game seven in Florida and that's all you want is a game seven if you're impartial. And I am impartial on that one. Kind of pulling for the aisles a little bit there. All right, come on back. Comedian Sam Marill on the other side. Time
5: for your small business report presented by Dell Small Business. Be sure to create a streamlined set of processes for your staff. Something easy to follow and mold without needing overcommunication. Assigning regular activities to your staff members will set clear expectations on a weekly and monthly basis, freeing up some strategy and creativity time for you as the business leader. Growing startups often struggle with management, and refining this process
6: will help you scale faster and further. And that's your Dell Small Business Report. It's the perfect season for a powerful business upgrade with Dell Technologies Summer Sale Event. Save up to 45% on secure PCs built for business with Windows 10 Pro. You'll also find great savings on Dell servers, monitors, docks, and other accessories to help boost productivity. Plus, enjoy free shipping on everything. Do more with modern devices and Windows 10 Pro. Call 877-ASK-DELL for a Dell Technologies advisor who can help you find the right tech. That's 877-ASK-DELL for business specials during Dell's Summer Sale Event. Pick
7: it up, guys. Pick it up. At Bowes Builders, demand is through the roof. To keep up, his business needs a stronger foundation. all,
5: right? Just one sec. Bowes Builders, this is Bow. This weekend? Yeah, we can do it.
7: Indeed can help him hire the people he needs.
8: I need Indeed.
7: Indeed, you do. When you sponsor a job, you immediately get your short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. Visit Indeed.com/slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply.
1: That's 800-306-1760. Are
0: you saying that I put an abnormal brain
3: into a a seven-and-a-half-foot-long, 54-inch-wide... Gorilla! What? Is that what you're
10: telling me?
7: This is the only sports talk show that features a Rhodes Scholar. But he ain't here today. Now, back to Rick Tittle.
4: Welcome back to Sports Byline USA, coast-to-coast, border-to-border, and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. One of my favorite comedians is Sam Morrill and he is going to be at Raleigh Goodnights uh, this weekend down Tobacco Road. And uh, Sam has been in studio with me several times when he's been in San Francisco. And, uh, Sam, I was looking at your uh schedule and I know you do love SF as you call it and um I, I even tweeted at you to make sure that you save a weekend in twenty twenty one for the punchline or Cobbs. Uh any update on that?
11: Yeah, uh, looking like probably November. I it's tough, man. A lot of California could forever open up so then, you know, I'm I'm terrified not having worked for a year, so I just was like fill it up. Appleton, Wisconsin, whatever, anything, I'll do it. You know, <laughs> and then, uh, and then, you know, we leave those cities I really want to hit. So, making sure to hit SF, making sure to hit Chicago. You know, all, the, all those cities I I say I have to hit every year.
4: Well, you were very active during the pandemic and and you did a brilliant special up on the uh, the rooftops and the tiny cupboard and everything else you did and um, uh, the other comedians they're very uh they're very admired uh, admired they they uh, admire you because uh, you have been so clever and uh, proactive during this last year.
11: Well, it's more like, you know, how do I now go crazy? Like it really is like a lot of comedians they stay distracted from whatever mental illness they have by being on stage every night and being rewarded for that mental illness. <laughs> and when you stop and when you stop being rewarded, you kinda of have to take a look at yourself and uh, that gets pretty exhausting, you know? Uh, so for me it was like, Let me let me just get out there and just make something so I can just be distracted from mm. this terrible year old supposed to
4: yeah, no doubt. Of course, uh, Sam has uh, two podcasts as well, and uh, they're both great. We Might Be Drunk, which he does with uh, one of my favorites, Mark Norman, and Pod Don't Lie, Stavros um, I, As you, When you were in here, Sam, many, many years ago, I remember about five, six years ago when you were first here, I mean, you were, you were doing things with the Knicks, and uh, for you, this run they went on, Going to the playoffs, um, I mean, I, I know it didn't end well, and I know you're not a big Trey Young guy, <laughs> but uh, it, it was it was a lot of fun to get back to the dance, though, huh?
11: It was pretty cool, man. And, uh, I mean, look, that's where, where our expectations are. Like the famous Knicks comedy, Eddie with Whoopi Goldberg, it ends with him making the playoffs. Like, that's how low our bar is for success. <laughs> so, uh, you know, yeah, it was great. Julius Randle, he fell apart a little bit in the playoffs, but... I mean, he, he was incredible all season long. He's my favorite player. I love him. Uh, Barrett's coming along. We have a nice little nucleus of young guys quickly topping, you know. So it was tough to lose. And, look, Trey Young is great. You know, it, it's insane. This guy is like Reggie Miller and Steph Curry mixed into one. It, it's crazy how he just wants the pressure and that he delivers. He, they, could, they could win it all. It's crazy to say, but the odds could win it all.
4: But, as you say, he plays without honor.
11: He does. I, I hate that little backward foul he does. It drives me crazy. A
4: <laughs> couple more questions for Sam Marill at Raleigh. Good nights uh, this weekend. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast around the world on American Forces. Uh, I listen uh, to uh, all your uh, We Might Be Drunks uh, with Mark, and I know you're working on a little rye. And uh, you're thinking about maybe Fat Cat for the name or maybe Detour. Um, The last episode, I was listening to you guys taking a sip. Uh, You didn't like the Canadian stuff. I I heard that. But (laughs) (laughs) how close are you? Uh, I mean, it sounded like you picked a winner last time.
11: Yeah, I think we're – we don't want to make any promises because we – this is a business we know nothing about. But, you know, it seems like we're good to go. I mean – this guy we're working with out of Houston seems to know his stuff. We're looking at bottles. We're looking at logos. So, yeah, I mean, there's a glass shortage, just like there's an everything shortage after the pandemic. But, mm. uh, you know, I think we're going to crack this. I think we're going to figure it out. So I'm pretty pumped. I, I think definitely this year.
4: Now, knowing how your uh, your mom, you know, she tells you not to pick up dead pigeons and stuff, has she given you any advice getting into the liquor game?
11: Oh, man, my mom, the other day I had food poisoning, and she told me not to drink alcohol, and I was like, I'm literally on my knees above the toilet. Do you think I have a cocktail handy? Like, my mom just worries so much. Uh, I think she she likes that, I guess, maybe we have this. Well, she likes that we're entrepreneurs and, and mm-hmm. trying to start something, but I don't think she's thrilled that I find any excuse to bring more alcohol into my life, you know?
4: She probably thinks you're like the guy in Trailer Park Boys that's always holding a cocktail.
11: I've never, you know, I've never seen that show. It was great.
4: Yeah, it actually is pretty funny. Um, the thing I love, too, about when uh, you and Stavros are, are arguing is that You'll call him uh, a dirty Greek, and then he'll get into your, uh, you know, religion as well. I just love it. At any moment, you guys can just go right for that.
11: We both are hanging on by a thread. I mean, he's adopted Giannis uh, as his savior, you know, as Mm -hmm. a Greek. And, you know, with me, the Knicks have not given us many Many openings to really cheer over the last seven years or over the last 20 years, really. But, yeah, we both are hard to so in it. We're both – we take everything personally. We fight all the time. Stop really – I mean, he's been canceling so much work to just watch basketball, which I think is amazing that he's just like – you know, he could be making so much more money on these gigs. And he's just canceling gigs to watch Milwaukee, and I relate to that. I really do.
4: I thought you meant Giannis Papas just for like one second, and <laughs> Um also, yeah. Also, I, I love the way that uh, you deal with hecklers, and it, it's smart the way you um, or your team cuts up those little bites and then tweets them out. With you dealing with the uh, the hecklers, but. Um what is it with the crowd I mean cuz we know how boisterous everybody is we it's it's already a boisterous crowd at a comedy club but we've been locked up for a year so have you seen a lot more let's say fan participation
11: yeah, I think, you know, we forgot how to be comedians for a while, and I think there was a period where they forgot how to be audience, you know, and they're just, you know, they're used to being drunk at home, and then they're out with people, and they're like, well, I talk when I'm in my apartment. i they're like, well, wow, people again, you know. So, yeah, there was definitely a sense, especially when clubs have capacity, like or whatever capacity, when you're selling out these rooms, but they don't look sold out, you know, but this is the new capacity, so I think people look around, and they're like, there aren't that many people here. This is my show. Uh, It doesn't seem as hot a ticket. That's another reason. Like, comedy clubs feel, you feel that they're sold out because you don't have a lot of room. People are on top of each other. And even if you're claustrophobic, you forget that when you start laughing and having a good time. (laughs) We're just getting getting back to it being full. So I think that's helping people. People are... I think people I, I bring out a somewhat of a drinking crowd as well, so maybe they you know, they don't hold back as much. So uh yeah, I do get people that that will misbehave occasionally at shows, but you know, as long as it's not mid joke or just as long as I can play off it, I don't really mind, to be honest.
4: Yeah, and you hold your own very well. Last question for you and that is on We Might Be Drunk, I know you and Mark uh, talk about movies a lot as well, and I always like it. I can always tell how much the alcohol is affecting you because you always go, "That is one of the great American movies of all time." <laughs> <laughs> you you have about ten of those. The great movie of all time.
11: <laughs> I don't even know which ones. I'm sure Chinese in there. Was I don't know. Yeah, we we Mark and I, because we do, you know, for so many years have been. Renting her, so it always comes back to movies. Cause is both, Margaret's obsessed movies, on obsessed movies. Uh, you know, it, it 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 all comes back to that. I feel guilty like sometimes we're going too inside, but then I'm like, yeah, hey, you know, it seems like a lot of our listeners are pretty obsessed too. But yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't know, I didn't know I had a drunk shell. Right <laughs> That sounds like
4: I, I do. A little tip there, Sam Morril. As you can tell, I'm a, a huge fan of his. And if uh, you're in uh, Carolinas, get over there to uh, Raleigh. Goodnights this weekend, Sam. Thanks for coming on, and uh, we always appreciate it. And when you're in San Francisco, definitely come in, my man. I definitely
11: will, man.
4: Great to talk to you. All right, uh, thank you, Sam Morril. Everybody, I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break and come on back on Sports
10: Talk. I if my will ever be i and, wife. and daddy a Matthew
3: Huh? oh, sorry It's
10: okay, I just need you to listen to me
3: I know that a lot of times, mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you But I am, I hear you And what you say really does matter to me
7: I mean, let's be honest No kid likes rules, but I get why we
12: have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most.
3: Hey, want a drink?
12: No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead.
3: Thanks, Mom, for never giving up
9: and always being my biggest fan.
7: Thank you for letting me know what you expect, so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking.
9: For more information about talking
13: with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov.
14: Hey, travelers, do you want to save money on your next flight? Then pick up the phone and call. That's right, call, because the best prices are not online. They're with SmartFares.
1: You're crazy.
10: You're crazy man. You're crazy. I like you. But you're crazy.
7: Rick Tittle at the laundromat last night and I was hella checking him out. I just kept staring at him and he played like I wasn't even there. I be like that then.
4: All right, girl. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. You know, I love the comedy and the comedians and uh, it's great to have stand up comedian Nell with us. She is at Helium St. Louis this weekend. Get your tickets at heliumcomedy.com. And a lot of you might remember Lunell from the Borat movie and from other TV appearances. But, Lunell, let me tell you something. I'm an East Bay native, and I'm in my 50s, and growing up watching Chuck Johnson's Soul Beat, thats right I go way back with you.
3: Yeah, that's amazing that you should mention the Soul Beat Television Network, uh, which is where I got a lot of my TV training back in the day. And hi, everybody out there in... Uh, sports radio land i I'm, I'm i'm really really happy to be here in st louis i got a lot of love here in st louis i'm not i'm not crazy about this rainy weather <laughs> i feel like i am uh a pig pen from the peanuts movie because everywhere i go i take the doggone rain it's like i got uh, a storm cloud over me i was in doggone Baltimore, it rained. I was in Texas, it rained. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm trying to get this melanin popping, and I can't get no sun for nothing.
4: <laughs> Dark clouds following around, Lunell. For people who don't know Soul Beat, so you got to think back in the days of cable access, almost like a Wayne's World type of thing, but Chuck Johnson took it to a new heights because he had musical acts. And the thing I love the most about Soul Beat were the homemade commercials. For yeah, everybody it.
3: remembers our commercials. They were a little low quality, but they were fun. Oh. And, you know, it, 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 uh, we would be remiss if we did not say this was, you know, a black-owned and operated cable-access television station, not just this show. It was a station that had many shows on it, political, weather, entertainment, music, comedy, and all that stuff. And this was before the head was ever a BET Comic View or an HBO Dev comedy jam, and um, I got a lot of my television training there, being a you know VJ and a talk talk uh, host, talk show host, and uh, got a lot of experience. It was it was urban, but it was ours, and it was great and it was a wonderful training ground. I'm very impressed that you're from the Yay area and have that memory. That's crazy. Uh,
4: well, you know these commercials stick with me. Saint Ives rap. Pill Hill, Printing, kicking it at the Eastmont Mall. You guys used to have- beeper man, <laughs> beeper
3: city, <laughs> Mama uh, Rosa's pizza,
10: beeper,
4: um, beeper yeah, city. All that. Uh, and, and people,
3: you know the Borat thing. People, uh, that's like the gift that keeps on giving. It's now like twelve years old. I was supposed to be in the sequel. um, got paid to be in the sequel. The pandemic came. I wasn't able to go back to Romania which is where we filmed the Kazakhstani scene, Mm -hmm. and they did the the second Borat without me. However, for the Borat aficionados out there, they will know that the second Borat is actually totally incorrect because at the end of the first Borat, uh, Sasha and I got married and had our two little interracial kids at our feet in the sequel, He had a totally white daughter with no mention of his (laughs) wife or his previous children. I take issue with that. I'm going to talk to Sasha about that whenever I get a chance to see him. But, um, you know, of course, since I've done that, I've done many, many things, you know, not to mention Coming to America, the sequel, which was just done. I did two Eddie Murphy movies back to back. Dolomite is my name, which is on Netflix right now. Coming to America, which is on Amazon Prime. I did Jamie Foxx's Dad, Stop Embarrassing Me. I'm on tour right now with my Fresh Out of Favors comedy tour. I many, many projects I've done since we're at and many more that are in the works right now. But my first love uh, is stand-up, and I'm glad to be here in St. Louis this weekend to bring some sunshine on an otherwise rainy day. The sun is coming out now as I speak about it. I did my first show last night. I got two tonight, two tomorrow night. The audience was extremely receptive and wonderful, and I'm just glad to be able to be back in front of people because, you know, I never did any of those Zoom comedy shows. It's just not the same. It was kind of hacky to me, so I waited it out, and now I'm back in front of people. I'm really glad.
4: Now, wait, the sun's coming out. Maybe that's from me.
3: No,
4: it's me. A <laughs> <laughs> couple more questions it's for me. Lunell at Helium St. Louis. And I, I can't get off the, the Soul Beat thing because the, the one thing that, that killed me was that obviously they reran a lot of shows, and there was one where Chuck was wearing his A's sweatshirt saying, we're going to beat them Dodgers in the World Series. And they kept, playing, they kept playing that over and over and over after we lost the World Series. I'm like, oh, Chuck, you're killing me, man.
3: <laughs> well, you know, we're just glad to have sports back right now, aren't we? Oh, yeah. I'm here in the St. Louis, and they're actually doing the Olympic trials for gymnastics right here right now. It was really hard to get hotel rooms for me and my staff. I know the great Simone Biles is flipping around in here somewhere around here in St. Louis. So, um, you know, we're just glad to be able to have made it. Through the pandemic, shout out to all the people within the earshot of this radio station right now i'm praying for you if you lost any family members. We hope that this is over. I hope that everybody is taking- content, uh continuing to take care of themselves because you know it's a fight every day out here between germ warfare and political warfare and racial warfare you know I'm glad to be the ones who bring a little humor to all of the subjects that I mentioned previously, you know?
4: No doubt. Where Where did you grow up uh, in the East Bay, Luna?
3: I was, uh grew up until I was in the second grade in Oakland, California.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Then my family moved me and educated me in the white suburbs of Oakland called Castro Valley, California. Sure. And I, I went to the rest of my elementary school, junior high school, high school, um, junior college and uh uh university in Castro Valley and Hayward, California. Then after I finished my education I moved back to Oakland, California. And that's where um, you know, I I, I got to do start movies. My first movie was So I Married an Axe Murderer. Oh, Mike yeah. Myers first film before he started the Austin Powers franchise. Mm-hmm. That was filmed in San Francisco. Yeah, great movie. And my second film that got me in the union was the rock starring sean connery and nicholas case in which i got cast when i was six months pregnant but i think they just thought i was fat and that they didn't know i was pregnant (laughs) because nobody hires a six-month pregnant woman to film on alcatraz island (laughs) at night they just don't do that but they did that for me and so i tell my daughter you know she was in the movies before she was even born so, um, yeah, then I came <laughs> on to Los Angeles, pursued, kept pursuing my film, career, film and television career, and, and, and here we are 30 years later, you know?
4: That's Lunell from the 510, or I should say we all used to be 415 back in the day.
3: Ah, yes, but it's 510. I haven't had a 510 phone number in a while. For those of you who are listening, if you'd like to put the face with the name, you can go to Instagram. And follow me at Lunell at L-U-E-N-E-L-L. Or if you want to check out my Facebook page, it's the official Lunell. Once again, L-U-E-N-E-L-L. And, um, you know, I'll be coming to uh, uh, San Diego next weekend. And I think I have Philly. And I have North Carolina. And I'll be at Carolines in Times Square in New York City. And, uh, yes, yeah, so I'm... I'm I'm back to work, and I'm happy to be.
4: That's Lunell. She's got her name right there on the Comedy Store as well. But uh, this weekend, as she talked about a couple shows tonight and tomorrow, Helium St. Louis, get your uh, tickets yeah. at heliumcomedy.com. Lunell, thanks for coming on. And when you're back in the Bay, come on in studio with us. We'd love to have you. You know
3: what? I would love to do that. I'm going to have Belisa hook that up. And I want to thank you for having me on. Go sports. Glad to have sports back. Yay. I'm going to have to send a shout-out to them Cardinals. Because I am in dead territory right now, and uh, you know, but you know i'm'm I'm a I'm a I'm a fan of of, of the Bay Area. I still got to ride with my warriors and mm-hmm. all that and uh, even I just because I live in LA I'm gonna say go Dodgers. Too. <laughs> all right, there's a
4: little <laughs> short dog on the way out Thanks Linell. I'm Rick Tittle. come on back. We got Ken Korak on the other side.
9: Do you have a story to share?
0: Your story. Lifetime Private Audio Biography Services can help. We'll work with you by phone and personal interview to transform your story, memories, and photos into a beautifully handcrafted book. You'll receive 10 copies for friends and family to enjoy for generations to come. Visit PrivateAudioBiography.com to schedule a free consultation or call 833-211-8164. That's 833-211-8164. Remember and be remembered with this gift of a lifetime.
1: That's 800
9: Come on, you watch the news. Be prepared to pay more taxes. Then if you owe back taxes or haven't filed in a few years, get ready. The IRS, the largest collection agency in the world, will be coming after you. With the power to collect taxes by any means they want to. Hey, they can freeze your bank account, your passport, even padlock your business. <laughs> Good times. Look, if the IRS claims you owe them $5,000 or more in back taxes and they're coming after you, don't panic. Call my friends at Get a Tax Lawyer first. Their job is to negotiate with the IRS and save you money. They're experts at it. That's all they do. And you can trust them.
3: I just hope we can win a game.
7: Tittle ate 200 chicken wings at your mama's house last night. Now back to Fat Boy. All right,
4: that's fantastic. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and uh, around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's always a pleasure to welcome to the show the voice of the Oakland A's, Ken Korak. And uh, Ken, uh, big game tonight uh, here in San Francisco. You, The A's are doing well. And of course the Giants, what a surprise. The best team in baseball right now um am i to assume that you'll actually be in the booth uh at oracle tonight
15: that is correct it'll be the first road game that we've actually done in person since 2019 rick so we're looking forward to that for sure
4: no doubt about it and and you think about the carnival atmosphere it's going to be like a playoff game and uh and you just think about people letting loose uh, after being you know cardboard cutouts (laughs) and everything else and uh and for you, even though it's you know, an eight-mile drive, it's, it's got to feel like uh, a renaissance to you.
15: Well, we're looking forward to it for sure. There's, there's nothing real enjoyable about doing the games remotely. We understand why we were doing it for sure, so there's no complaints from that standpoint. But it was a certain inherent challenge, as, he, as you know, Rick, um, in doing that. So um, looking forward to it. And I think any time you have a chance to do a game with a big crowd there's, when there's a lot of energy, Uh, That's something to really look forward to, for sure.
4: No doubt about it. Now, in uh, baseball, in the last uh, week or two, we've had a sticky situation with the sticky stuff, and uh, some pitchers, Glasno saying this this was why he was hurt. You had Girardi with the gamesmanship with Philadelphia over Max Scherzer of the Nationals. We had our own Sergio Romo uh, drop his pants. Where do you sit with this? uh, Because Rob Manfred said, uh, oh, so far, so good.
1: Well, I
15: think that it's getting better, and I think it's it's become a little more orderly, and I think that I guess it's, it's, it's looking a little bit more normal to see it happen. I think it was a little bit rick-shocking when it first happened in the first day. You, you never want to see it kind of tend towards something that was almost farcical, and I thought that might have been the case in the Girardi and Scherzer situation. So that was concerning, but I think that as we go on and on, I think that the players are going to be a little more used to it, uh, Rick and I think the umpires have actually done a pretty good job with it, trying to keep it light um, and not. I mean, it's it's a serious thing, but um, I think they're trying to make it as easy as they possibly can for the players. So it really, uh, you know, it's an unusual thing to see it happen in a decision like this made during the season, in the middle of the season, and have something as dramatic as this take place. But I'm actually for it because I think we all want a level playing field. So. Uh, I think we're going to get used to it. And the other thing is is that we really haven't seen anyone caught yet, Rick. And so I think Major League Baseball, in, in publicizing what they were going to be doing preemptively, I think probably uh, was able to kind of you know, uh, get us to a point where we haven't seen anyone caught so far. I'm not sure we will.
4: But the technology now where we can you know, measure spin rates and such things. Uh, it sort of lends itself to, I don't know if policing it or not, but I was speaking with uh, Mark Mulder a couple of days ago and he said, it's funny. He thought that his pitches that had the highest spin rate, he now looks back and they actually had the slowest because this was, you know, Mulder is not that old, but he was before all this. What, what do you think about the technology and, and measuring such things? Is it, can we sometimes have too much information or, or do you feel the other way?
15: Well, that, I think that ship has sailed already. I'm not sure there's much we can do about it. And there is an overload on information for sure. But pitchers are going to places like driveline. They're doing a lot of work with um, data and analytics in the offseason to try to determine things like spin rate. And, yeah, you could say it's kind of out of control, but I don't think there's much we can do about that right now. The thing that does concern me is that we may implicate pitchers if let's say their their spin rate is whatever it is, and it goes down by three or four hundred in a particular start, and now it's going to throw up some you know red flag for people, they'll say, "Well, now they're not using what they were using before." I'm not necessarily sure that that's fair either. Uh, you know, I still think we need to uh, implicate people only when they're proven guilty, uh, Rick. So there's a little can of worms that's been opened because of that. But as far as the you know, analyzing spin rate and things like that, I don't think that's going to
4: change. A couple more questions for Ken Korak, voice of the A's. Jesus Lozardo is, uh, of course, one of the top prospects in the Oakland organization and uh, one of the top pitching prospects in all of baseball. And uh, a bit of a rough go uh, so far and um, you know, out of the rotation into the pen and then uh, giving up a home run and five straight appearances, at ERA nearly at six. And so he's, uh, been demoted, or I should say nearly seven now, um, but you think about pitchers that have come up in the past I remember, you know, Rich Harden didn't hit the ground running, he is just too much talent there um, do, can you see anything from him about what's wrong other than throwing too many pitches right down the plate, or what, what would it be for you?
15: I think that's it I really do, because he's still hitting 98 with his fastball on occasion consistently mid-90s yet those fastballs are being hit out of the ballpark, Rick. And so I really do think it boils down to location. And he needs to he needs some seasoning, and I think it was a smart move by the A's to send him down to the minor leagues. Now, he might come back and still go back in the bullpen when he does come back, but because he's starting down there, there's less pressure. He can go three or four or five innings and work on what he needs to. So, But you're right, he has, he has great talent, the fastball and the breaking ball and the changeup, and. Uh, but hitters, and the thing, one of the things that's happened, I think especially the last two or three years, is hitters are used to seeing 97, 98. doesn't bother them that much anymore. It used to be if you had a guy coming out of the bullpen throwing 98, that was a big adjustment for the hitters. Guys see that all the time now. And so you still have to have movement, and especially you have to have good command with it. And that was an issue for him uh, while he was up there.
4: Matt Olson, who I hope will participate in the Home Run Derby uh, at Coors Field, I think that would be great. He said he's uh, he's open to it, uh, but um, we know that uh, Matt Chapman was in the Home Run Derby a couple uh, years ago, and we know about the the gold gloves and the the platinum as well. But the batting average has you know uh, gone down every year. Now in the last ten games, he's done very well. He's hit nearly nearly four hundred. I, I, I sometimes think, just as an observer of Chapman, that sometimes he's just trying too hard. I know that's a bit simplistic, but he definitely doesn't want to be a one-dimensional player. W- where are you with uh, Chapman's uh, development as a hitter, Ken?
11: Well, he is very
15: intense, and he's one of the leaders on the ball club, and he's a tremendous competitor. And I think it was um, eating at him a little bit, uh, you know, Rick, when he was struggling early in the year. I think you have to understand that he was hurt last year, and I think that was a big factor because he didn't play the tail end of the regular season, missed the postseason with the hip surgery. And you can fall into bad habits because of that. He talked about that. And when you lose your legs, it's really hard to hit. And so my sense is, and he was talking about this on one of the Zoom calls to the media, that it's taken him some time to get it back and to rework some of the things and and Uh, get back to swinging the way that he was before he got hurt, because the bad habits can creep in, and they can be, you know, they can adversely affect you, so I think he's getting his legs back, and during this recent run, he looks more like the Chapman that we've seen in the past when he's driving the ball, and he's hit several balls at the left center, center, right center, Uh, home run figures have picked up in the last week and a half, so to me, he's looking more like the Chapman that we've seen in the past in the last, uh, 10 days or two weeks.
4: Another pleasant surprise is the play of uh, Tony Kemp. And when uh, Oakland acquired him uh, last year, you could look at his numbers with the Cubs uh, under the Mendoza line. And, and even with Houston, uh, not huge numbers. He was just a versatile uh, utility guy and a guy you could play in the outfield as well. Uh, and last year he did all right. But but this year now nearly hitting three hundred And, is it the kind of thing where you think, geez, at 29 years old, maybe he's just got this thing figured out? You know, there are late bloomers. Where, where are you with Tony Camp, Ken?
15: It's possible that's happened with him, and it's on bases around 400. He's been a huge factor in that success. And especially when Ramon Laureano, Rick, was on the IL, and he was, Tony came in, he was playing almost every day. The fact, he could play left field. And, and Mark Canna was able to go from left to center and take Lariano's spot there. Now Canna got hurt yesterday, so we're waiting today to see what's going to happen with him. But Kemp was a huge plus for the A's when Lauriano was out. I think he was the biggest reason the A's were able to survive and kind of flourish when Ramon was on the I.L. And the other thing is they can't play Jed Lowry every day now at his age and after the injuries. so he can spell a Jed at second base, and he's a really tough out. Uh, if, even if he's not starting, and he comes up in a pinch hitting situation, he has a great eye. He can foul pitches off. He has a small strike zone. There's a pretty good chance he's going to get on base and work a walk. So uh, he's been hugely impactful for that club, and also off the field as well. He's someone that has a, just a tremendous perspective on things and a great head on his shoulders.
4: Now, you mentioned Ted Lowry. Another uh, surprise is if you're a Mets fan, you probably thought he was out of the league and, of course, came in red hot. Now around uh, 240, hit a huge home run last night. But uh, as the A's look now, uh, as a team that uh, has a chance to go back to the postseason once again and you'd think that they would like to add, and sometimes the A's do absolutely nothing at the trade deadline and sometimes they make an enormous splash there was talk about rumors of you know because Elvis wasn't hitting very much at short maybe a Trevor Story as a rental uh maybe adding to the pen do you see the A's making a move or do you think that they're uh they're gonna stand pat Ken
15: well Rick normally they make a move in the, in the Billy Bean era and now with Billy and David Forrest running the Baseball off side of things, it's all. It would be surprising to me if they didn't make a move. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, when they enter in contention, and they they will be uh, at the deadline this year. I, I'd be surprised they didn't do something, and maybe even something significant. That's been their mo over the years. I'm not sure what they would do or what their targets will be, but I'm pretty sure they're thinking about that right now.
4: Last question for you. We know that James Kaprelian was a great pitcher at UCLA in a first-round pick of the Yankees coming over in the sunny gray trade, and uh, a guy just beset by injury after injury. And now I've got my fingers crossed. Uh, anybody can have a couple of good starts, but now he looks like somebody who uh, really might be a factor. And if you think about him as a fifth starter, he might be the best, best <laughs> fifth starter in in baseball right now uh you know as i said late bloomer 27 finally getting his opportunity and finally healthy ken
15: well that's the thing i'm not so sure he's a late bloomer as much as he's gotten healthy finally he's had a really difficult road the road back from tommy john surgery and chris bassett can attest to that is not always a smooth one uh there are bumps in the road and james also has dealt with some shoulder issues and you're right. The Yankees drafted him number one in 2015 out of UCLA. He's thrown exactly 102 innings in the minor league since then. Uh, he made two brief relief appearances last year in the, in, for the A's, big three and two-thirds innings, and that was all he had pitched between 15 and 2000. So to say it's surprising what he's done, I guess it's because you know, we haven't seen him uh, throw a whole lot, but I think this is, even though it was a long time ago, what he's done is validated what the Yankees did to draft him number one all those years ago. And he has a 2.86 ERA. He's made eight starts in the big league. He's 4 and 1. So, like you said, he's been great. I think they're going to keep a watchful eye on him because of the history of injury, Rick. But he's. And, and even if Lizardo had been effective in the bullpen while he was with the club, he was going to stay down there because there was no reason to take Caprillian out of the rotation. He's been that good.
4: That's Ken Korak. You can follow him on Twitter at Ken Korak Radio, and, of course, listen to him on the Oakland A's radio network, big game at China Basin tonight. Ken, as always, thank you very much, my friend, and let's talk baseball again soon. Anytime, Rick. Thanks for having me. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
1: That's 800-306-1760
16: Well, I might as well tell you now. You lot may all be internationals and have won all the domestic honours there are to win under Don Revy. But as far as I'm concerned, the first thing he can do for me... Is to chuck all your medals and all your caps and all your pots and all your pans into the biggest flipping dustbin you can find because you've never won any of them fairly you've done it all by blummin cheating <laughs>
7: Rick Tittle was selected at random from the phone book to host this show.
4: All right. Uh, we still have another uh, hour to go. What a packed show we've had so far. Uh, Steve Elkins, the filmmaker behind the documentary Echoes of the Invisible, will be with us. And at 1140 Pacific Time, Babs Gray, the lovely and talented comedian, she has a new album called If I Did It. And, uh <laughs> We'll talk to uh, Babs as well. I was reading this report about the Wisconsin men's basketball team in which they secretly recorded a meeting with their head coach, Greg Gard. And I was just thinking it reminded me of the time that uh, there was the assistant coach with Mark Jackson on the Warriors. He was trying to record a meeting for Joe Lacob to hear. The Warriors used to be a bit of a mess, at uh, say the least. <laughs> talking to this carnation on my lapel no no a little bit closer all right we another hour come on back.
17: The Justice Department is suing the state of Georgia for enacting new election reform laws following the 2020 presidential election and the 2021 Senate runoff election. The DOJ claiming it violates people's right to vote. U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland points out the laws come after one of the biggest voter turnouts in the state's history.
1: Approximately two-thirds of eligible voters in the state cast a ballot in in the November election just over the national average. This is cause for celebration. But then in March of 2021, Georgia's legislature passed SB202. Many of that law's provisions make it harder for people to vote.
17: At least four people are dead and 159 unaccounted for as the search and rescue operation continues at a Surfside, Florida condo building, USA Radio News.
8: Hi, this is Wayne Alaroot Root from my great friends at Freedom Fest. Have you ever been to Mount Rushmore in South Dakota? Well, here's your opportunity. This July 21st through 24th, thousands of liberty lovers are headed to South Dakota for the greatest libertarian show on Earth, Freedom Fest. This time held at the Rushmore Civic Center in Rapid City, South Dakota with a record-setting crowd. Here's your chance to make new friends and meet the country's top political and business leaders, authors, and filmmakers in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Some of the star speakers this year, South Dakota Governor Christine Ohm, Dr. Drew, Larry Elder, U.S. Senator Mike Lee, U.S. Senator Cynthia Loomis, the CEO of Whole Foods, John Mackey, Steve Moore, John Funn, Grover Norquist, Tom Woods, and the infamous pandemic mock trial. Go to FreedomFest.com. Use promo code WAR50 to get $50 off the registration fee. That's FreedomFest.com with promo code WAR50. Fly there, drive there, bike there, RV there, be there. FreedomFest in South Dakota. Get your tickets now at freedomfest.com.
17: The Senate minority leader is reacting to the bipartisan infrastructure deal that was agreed to on Thursday.
9: In one press conference Thursday, President Biden touted a $1.2 billion bipartisan infrastructure bill. Then the president held a second press conference with demands that need to be met. That has soured Senator Mitch McConnell as heard on Fox News.
17: I think we've gone from optimism to pessimism as a result of the president's second press conference.
9: As is, the bipartisan infrastructure bill still needs to clear both houses on the hill. From the West Coast USA Radio News Bureau, I'm Lance Pry.
17: Vice President Kamala Harris is in El Paso visiting the border for the first time since being named border czar three months ago. The vice president giving a more detailed briefing later today after touring the El Paso Border Patrol Station. Harris saying she wants to get to the root cause of what's the increase in illegal immigration at the US-Mexico border. And you're listening to USA Radio News.
3: Look, bud, I said your money or your life. I'm thinking it over.
14: <laughs> the great Gildersleeve. Yeah. The new Edgar Bergen Hour with Charlie McCarthy.
3: Uh, if you say help me, I'll mow you down. Three hours a day, seven days a week of the greatest radio shows of all time. Classic radio theater. Available on many of these radio stations
1: or available on demand anytime at any podcast app by searching USA Classic Radio Theater. USA Classic Radio Theater.
17: The governor of Florida wants to get to the root cause of the collapse of the high-rise condo near Miami Beach. Republican Governor Ron DeSantis saying it's a devastating scene at the site in Surfside. Miami-Dade officials say at least 159 people are unaccounted for
18: after the collapse. The death toll has risen to four. DeSantis telling Fox News when you're there you see for example they all there was balconies right on all these units the balconies were like stacked one right on top of one another I mean it just had it just went straight down and was almost like a pancake and you look at that and you think that is an unbelievable type of collapse for that to happen and then as you get closer you see how some of the units were ripped off the side there were still some rooms you could actually see in and if you looked up near the top there was actually a bunk bed right on the edge in the open air, and you think to yourself, you know, you may have had two kids in bed that night, and then all of a sudden, one in the morning, uh, the earth moves from under them. So it was, uh, I think, a traumatic experience, uh, obviously, for the folks who who escaped. There's a lot of families. When people are unaccounted for, sometimes that's the hardest thing because they just don't know, and they're obviously bracing for the worst, but they're still hoping for the best, and the search and rescue does go on. Uh, So it's a really difficult situation and um, a real tragedy for our state.
17: More news can be found online at usaradio.com. For USA Radio News, I'm Tim Berg.
1: Do you need to sell your home?
4: Hour three is underway. Hour, hour, as I like to call it. (laughs) I do have a free segment on the other side. The only one in the uh, whole show, if my guests do show up. But um, I have a funny tale to tell a little teaser at the end of the show about uh, going to the wrong city. I remember one time when I had the late, great Rick the um former oakland fire chief who uh retired to uh, sonora he used to call my show all the time he'd go hey rick i actually spoke at his funeral uh he was a great guy really cool but i remember i, I used to ask him a 100 fireman questions which i didn't really know i had but i that's what i do and um i said you know before we have gps right now but did you ever have a situation where you went to the wrong address, like 8th Street instead of 8th Avenue? And he goes, oh, yeah, I had one of those. I go, what happened? He goes, yeah, I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> it's like, wow. That must have been a bad one. I have a little sports story concerning that. little cliffhanger for you uh, coming up at the, uh, the end of the program here. Less than an hour. But uh, we do have Steve Elkins, the documentary Echoes of the Invisible. That's me trying to get the attention of a bartender. I think that that's what that's about. Uh, and by the way, being a pretty girl, the bartender will see you before they see me. So don't act like hooks don't matter. Babs Gray, If I Did It. That's her new comedy album. And we'll talk to uh, Barbara Gray as her teachers and the doctor probably call her big shout out to the brave men and women listening on american forces radio network 500 outlets 177 countries ships at wax overhead doing a great job stay safe crn digital plus two the cable radio network channel 235 million homes girl tune in app iHeartRadio radio app stitcher app sports Byline.com, twitter at rick tittle tittle lighting sports with rick tittle on facebook come on back
5: Time for your Small Business Report presented by Dell Small Business. Be sure to create a streamlined set of processes for your staff, something easy to follow and mold without needing overcommunication. Assigning regular activities to your staff members will set clear expectations on a weekly and monthly basis, freeing up some strategy and creativity time for you as the business leader. Growing startups often struggle with management and refining this process will help you
6: scale faster and further. And that's your Dell Small Business Report. It's the perfect season for a powerful business upgrade with Dell Technologies Summer Sale Event. Save up to 45% on secure PCs built for business with Windows 10 Pro. You'll also find great savings on Dell servers, monitors, docks, and other accessories to help boost productivity. Plus, enjoy free shipping on everything. Do more with modern devices and Windows 10 Pro. Call 877-ASK-DELL for a Dell Technologies advisor who can help you find the right tech. That's 877-ASK-DELL for business specials during Dell's Summer Sale Event.
0: Ron Barr here. Now that people are getting out and exercising more, I want to recommend Relief Factor to you. Relief Factor helps those exercise-related pains and general muscle aches and pains. Now, if you're going to be working in the garden, you're going to be using your hands a lot. And if your hands hurt, listen to what Julia Brown had to say about using
6: Relief Factor.
7: I had pain in my hands that kept me from work and doing projects around the home. I heard about Relief Factor on the radio and began taking it, and it left me with pain-free hands again. I was able to do the things around the house that I enjoy doing. I'm so glad I found Relief Factor.
0: 100 million Americans suffer from ongoing pain due to aging, exercise, overexertion, and the effects of everyday living. Be sure to check out Relief Factor at
9: relieffactor.com or give them a call at 800-500-8384. That's 800-500-8384.
13: You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious!
7: Rick Tittle is a majestic stallion.
4: Thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Lines are available 1-800-878-PLAY. So, when it comes to the NFL draft, uh, I'm not Mel Kuyper Jr. I don't pore over film, but I pretty much know who's going to go in the first 15 picks. Right? 15 to 20. Uh, NBA, we definitely know who's going to go in the top five. Sometimes into the top 10. But baseball, it's only from what I read because you're talking about high school guys there. And the draft is a little more than two weeks away. It got pushed back to the all star break rather than the first week of June. So it's going to begin Sunday, July 11th. And they remember changed a lot of things last March during the pandemic. They shortened the draft to just five rounds. Remember that they cut the draft from 50 to 40 rounds the year before that this year, 20 rounds, 20 rounds. And the bonus pool is going to be the same as 2019. So the pirates hold the number one overall pick being that they went 19 and 41. Uh, There's no lottery. You can't trade your first round pick or else Billy Bean would have traded all of them. But the this is the fifth time now that the Pirates have held the number one overall pick. Last time I had it was ten years ago and they ten years ago and they uh, spent it well. They got Garrett Cole out of UCLA. Okay, one of the best pitchers in baseball at this point. In two thousand two, someone named Brian Bullington, ouch. Hey it happens. Nineteen ninety six Chris Benson, I do remember him, and in nineteen eighty six Jeff King, who was a decent player. Um, So as you look at uh, the draft pool, the Pirates have the most, then Tigers, Rangers, Reds, Orioles. So we'll see how that goes, because remember, you can take money that you had allocated in the fifth round and move it up, or you could have money allocated in the second round you can move down. It just depends on how much you want to spend. So looking at the mock drafts, the number one overall pick, the last time I've seen, is a high school shortstop named Marcelo Meyer out of Eastlake High School here in California. Now, there is no Bryce Harper or Steven Strasburg, meaning the number one overall pick for sure. It could come down to money if you have multiple spro- po- prospects that you think are on equal footing, and so you want to take the guy who's going to take the smallest signing bonus you'll get the same quality uh, prospect either way they think i think you shouldn't worry about money when it comes to such things let's go to uh, charlie who's called us up from new york how you doing charlie
16: hey rick what's going on buddy um i know you're talking baseball but uh, can i talk a little hockey with you
4: how about those habs
16: how about those ole 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 oh. um now, explain to me why they only allow thirty five hundred people into the arena, but outside they have seventy thousand people shoulder to shoulder <laughs> on the street. Now, uh, I, maybe they can't control that, but do you think they'll open up the arena a little more?
4: I don't know. Uh, Canada Canada's is pretty strict. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't bet anything on that.
16: Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I'm I'm happy for Carey Price, the Canadians. I hope they can. Uh, um, uh, pull it out now. Going forward, who do you think they have a better shot at beating, if they are uh, if they were to uh, win?
4: I'd say uh, the Islanders. They would match up better with.
16: Well, given the way they've run in this playoffs, maybe they should be better <laughs> off playing Tampa because they <laughs> they've beaten Toronto, they've beaten Vegas, and you know Winnipeg in between, and and, and none of those teams they. But uh, whoever they play, uh, I'm I'm happy about. Um, can I ask you a quick baseball question? Of course. All right, with our you were just talking with Ken about the As and maybe uh, I think Bean will definitely make a acquisition. Um now, because Elvis is starting to hit a little and uh, who who do you think or who would you like what would you like them who who would you like them uh, to obtain? What type of player would you put faith in Andros, or would you still go out and maybe get a story?
4: I, I would. Or, or. I, I. don't have a lot of faith in Andrus. I really don't have a lot of faith in in Lowry. He's hitting like two thirty now, but they're not going to get rid of both of those guys. I. I don't like rentals when you pay a super high price, but we know that's what Bean does. He doesn't like to have anybody under contract. I mean, it's the, the only guy that was under contract were Piscotty and Davis, and uh, and he uh, traded Davis. So. Um, I, I I think that I mean I would like to see them pick up a Trevor Story. The thing is, is I don't want to give up the whole farm system for him. But then again, uh, you know the 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 A should if they think they can strike, they should definitely strike. It just depends on what the price is.
16: No, I agree. I agree. You never, but that, you know, that is being M O. He he. If he thinks he can, uh, you know, get well, they yeah. haven't gotten over the top yet under his era, but. Um, uh, Yeah, I, I, I would like to see them maybe strengthen. Yeah, Jed Lowry's definitely come back to Earth a little or a lot. And Andrews, you know, you know, I'm not having too much faith in him either, but uh, Trevor's story would be a nice addition to this team. Um, just out of curiosity, is the rivalry like this weekend they're playing the Giants and me being 3,000 miles away, I'm clearly not in the, in the know, but is it uh, that big a deal or is it more because this year they're both? Um, you know, Giants' best record and the A's in second place
4: now. Uh, I'll be, I'll, is there, is I'll there be, a buzz? I'll be out there tonight. There, there's a huge buzz, and it's mostly from the last 20 years in the, the Internet and social media era. When I was growing up, they would never play each other, obviously, except for the right. the World Series. And so there was always a little bit of teasing and stuff. But but now there's such a separation of church and state between San Francisco and Oakland that there's a lot of hate in there. So, it's gonna I try to remind people that they're not actually rivals like the Niners. People used to think that the Raiders biggest rival was the Niners, which right, which right. made me laugh, but you you can't tell anybody under 30 that the Giants are not the A's biggest rival and vice versa. Yeah, I
16: hear you. Okay, can I one one final uh Can I make, uh, besides besides being a Canadians fan, and this is very immature of me, but the reason why I'm glad Vegas lost is because Vegas took the Raiders away from Oakland, and now I'm glad that, (laughs) I'm glad the city lost, because uh, even though I'm a native New Yorker, I I was just as angry as most native Oaklanders. That the Raiders left so I uh, I'm doubly happy Vegas lost because they took the Raiders
4: yeah <laughs> no that, I, and I is, is
16: that an immature is that an immature that uh, makes view
4: of that makes perfect sense to me and and for me that I'm a huge sharks fan and the and the Knights are a real blood rival uh from day one with the sharks so I had that going for me too
16: exactly all right Rick I'll let you go, buddy. Have a good weekend. I'll talk to you next
4: week. Thanks, Charlie. That's Charlie out there in uh, New York City. And, uh, look, whatever reason – and I'll get back into the uh, the amateur draft here, um, I guess, next week. But the, the thing is, uh, with, with Charlie, the thing to keep in mind is that what whatever your reasons are, those are your reasons. You know, people ask me why I hate the Denver Nuggets, and it's because Bronco fans root for the Nuggets. <laughs> you might say, well, that's – that's kind of stupid. And I'd say, yeah, you're probably right. That is kind of stupid, but whatever your reasons are, you know, those are your reasons. And that's the cool thing about, uh, sports or whatever. It's like, if I'll go to an A's game that has 3000 people and you go like, no one cares. Why would you go? And I'm like, I cared. Like, do I need to be shoulder to shoulder with a crush of people? Does it it need to? It's like, you know, on the radio when my friends would be like, well, the song you like isn't a hit, and this one is. I go, so you need a lot of strangers to agree with you that a song is good. You can't just like the song on your own. Yeah, so that makes perfect sense to me. Charlie's got a little bit of a vendetta against Vegas right now, and I I understand it. Uh, Those of you listening to me on the great KSHP, you know what I'm talking about. Come on back on Byline.
1: That's 855-325-1780. You love your dog. Is something bothering him or her and you can't figure out what it is? Maybe they seem slow or lethargic. And maybe they just don't have energy. Wouldn't you like your dog to be living their very best life? Pet Joy offers a money-back guarantee on all of its products. If your dog won't eat it or you don't see the results you want... Just let us know and we'll make it right. Totally risk free. What do you have to lose? You can't buy Pet Joy multivitamins in a store. The only way you can get them is through this unique radio offer. And if you call right now, learn how to get two bottles free with your order. Turn your dog's life around and make him or her a happy camper. Ain't that right, boy? He said call Pet Joy right now. 800 846 2153. That's 800-846-2153.
7: You must be crazy. Use a D-O-G. And if you was my man, I would have been kicked you out of my house by now. This is what had happened.
4: All right. uh, Thank you for that. And a a brand new film is just out this week. It's called Echoes of the Invisible. And uh, it explores the lives of globetrotters. Very interesting ones. It was a huge hit and uh, one at South by Southwest. Uh, This is from Utopia and we have the uh, man behind the documentary on the show with us, Steve Elkin. Steve, first of all, do you ever have problems telling people this? this is not about the Harlem Globetrotters?
19: <laughs> not yet. This is the first time, but uh, that's an interesting new problem to have.
4: <laughs> all right, so uh, when you do a documentary that explores humanity and, and uh, extreme environments, um, and not just one topic or protagonist. How did you whittle that down into what you chose?
19: It was a long process. Um, it took. I, I was working on the projects on and off for eight years, but basically uh, I had a sense of what the underlying themes were to connect the people, and then it was just a process of finding the right people to tell or explore those themes through different angles. So, um, as you know, we have an athlete, uh, Al Arnold, who's running across Death Valley, a journalist who's walking across the world to find stories on foot. We have scientists building machines to look back to the beginning of time, and um, Rachel Sussman, who's photographing the world's oldest continuously living things. And there are many possible themes that could connect these individuals. I'll kind of leave it up to the viewers to decide what they may be.
4: The man running through Death Valley is Al Arnold, and he's blind. How does that work for Al?
19: (laughs) Well, um, fortunately, he's not completely blind, but he is mostly blind. He had very severe glaucoma. So the film does explore a bit how he was able to pull off this never-before-done run across Death Valley, and part of it had to do with uh, really studying the angle of the sun throughout the day. So he had to do many practice runs partway across Death Valley, most of which he actually literally did not survive. He almost died even on the practice runs every Mm. time. Uh, But he basically had to watch the position of the the light of the sun as it crossed the sky and having a sense for what direction his body was facing internally. It's pretty incredible.
4: Yeah, I was thinking about, I was in a very, very hot, area in uh, Wyoming a couple weeks ago, and I began to jog, and after about 50 yards, I was like, yeah, this is a bad idea, so what, <laughs> so what? Not in, in a, not a pejorative way, but what's wrong with Al?
19: <laughs> that was one of the main questions I had for him, too, um, and you know, it's kind of interesting because he actually never gave me a concrete answer to that question in terms of the why, like, why would you do this to yourself? Um, and pretty much what he told me turned out to be perfect for the project, though, because he basically said it was a way of dealing with his blindness. Um, because he could not orient himself in the world the way that uh, most of us can, through sight, um, he basically had to look more and more inward. And uh, as mysterious and vague as that may be, that is quite directly what drove him to accomplish things that he didn't think would be possible with his body. It's kind of interesting how when we lose one sight, I say, excuse me, when we lose one sense, other senses kind of come to the forefront and kick in in ways we wouldn't expect.
4: Right. You also uh, mentioned uh, Rachel Sussman, uh, as you said, photographing the oldest living organisms. And so when I think of that, I would think of plant life, trees, coral reefs. Uh, What's going on there?
19: Absolutely. All of the above. Um, She also explored some animals, uh, believe it or not, which have been around for 2,000 years or longer. Individual animals, that is. Um, One of those, which I show in the film, is actually a brain coral, uh, which a lot of people forget are animals, actually. Um, But uh, there's also bacteria. Um, She discovered some bacteria that actually has been continually alive in the Siberian permafrost for about half a million years, which is just staggering. Mm. Um, So that should provide some interesting answers to um, uh, major questions about our origins for anyone who are studying them.
4: I was going to make a joke about if she studied Larry King, but he just passed away. That's kind of mean.
19: Uh, <laughs> That's funny because you're not the first person to make
4: that joke. <laughs> oh, jeez. Poor Larry. Couple poor more, Larry. Poor. couple more questions for uh, Steve Elkins. Paul Salopak, a uh, journalist walking across the world in the footsteps of earliest human migrations. When I think of that, of course, the great uh, African migration, the, the Bering Strait, and, and when our continents were sometimes all push together, how does he approach that?
19: Um, So he is on foot entirely unless he has to cross a body of water. So the Mm. first time he encountered this was getting out of Africa um, to Saudi Arabia, basically. So he he did take a boat uh, to cross the Red Sea, but otherwise he is completely on foot, he's not even taking short drives between destinations, and he has thus far made it all the way from Ethiopia to China, where he is currently. Um, And he started this Uh, foot trek in 2013. So it's taken this long to get there, and he will not stop until he reaches the southern tip of South America at Tierra del Fuego.
4: A couple more questions for Steve Elkins. Documentary Echoes of the Invisible, which is out now. And I I guess... You know, when you think about how separate we all are and we all stare at our phones and politics has never been more fractious. If someone disagrees with you, they're garbage and not worth listening to the interconnectedness that that we have in this divided world. What, were you trying to sort of maybe remind us of what brings us together? What was the, the sort of uh, reason for this?
19: in a way, you know, it wasn't what i set out to do at the beginning, but it slowly and organically evolved into that topic. Um yeah, i mean, i do i do feel everyone in the film is either using te- pushing technology to its limits or the human body to its limits to see something that was previously invisible. And one of the interesting things that came out of this is that um in a lot of ways uh our our technology that we commonly use like uh, you know cell phones, computers, the social media we use to interact with each other gives us more of a, re- a representation of interconnection than an actual substantial focus on our what interconnects us. Um, and in a lot of ways you you know I'm not trying to be prescriptive here, but you do have to kind of drop those ways of connecting to others to recognize the interconnectedness that we really do have. Um, you know it's kind of a distraction in a lot of ways. So the film does explore what's gained and lost through the use of um, our modern technology. But it's not really pro or anti-technology. It, it kind of just shows the wonders of technology and some of the, the problems we face with it today.
4: And uh, in a way, um, when you make a film like this, you can say, wow, you know, we're so, we're so insignificant, we're just a speck of dust, But but also to concentrate on the sanctity of human life as well, right?
19: Absolutely, yeah yeah, that was a central thread in the film for sure.
4: I was looking at one review and, and a, a person said, uh, one of the very few reviews that someone didn't like it, uh, it says that you're too didactic. I think that person just wanted to use the word didactic.
19: <laughs> it's quite possible. Everyone likes to listen to themselves talk, you know, and uh, text is no different. Um, no, but this is, you know, it's it's, it's fair. Um, you know, it's interesting because the film does walk a certain line of contradiction because it is largely about um, exploring interconnectedness that emerges when we slow down um, from our fast-paced lives. and and uh, it's also about how we can encounter that through silence, which I sometimes equate with slowing down in some ways. Uh, and yet, the film has a lot of didactic qualities to it. You constantly listen to people talking. Uh, articulating about things, and there's actually not a lot of silence in the film. So I am aware of that contradiction and that irony, but, um, but what I hope is that in the process of hearing stories uh, about the extreme journeys these people are all on, you can then go, you know, afterwards reflect on them and find that place of silence. Uh, to explore these
4: themes. Last question for you, making a film already and producing it as well is is hard enough to do. but when you put it out there, you finish cutting it and then you get you start getting awards. I mean, how surreal is that?
19: Uh, it does seem like a dream, uh, and especially a project like this one, which took uh, eight years to make, traveling all over the world, uh, At a cert- and I was making it mostly alone by myself mm. in all these locations. I didn't have a production crew. I did have a few uh, gracious friends who would <laughs> come to help me carry gear, but that was about it. So, um, yes, after such a long, solitary journey, it feels like a complete dream that it- I actually get to share it with people now and uh, dialogue with them about it. It's great.
4: And uh, that is, of course, uh, director and producer Steve Elkins. The documentary Echoes of the Invisible from Utopia, a winner at South by Southwest, is uh, now available uh, for viewing. And how do we get our eyeballs on it?
19: Uh, It's right now showing on Apple TV. You can see it there. It's also showing on a site called Altavod, uh, A-L-T-A-V-O-D, which is the streaming platform of our distributor, uh, Utopia Films. Uh, you can see it in both of those places, and that is in North America. Uh, hopefully, it'll soon be spreading to international markets as well. We're working on it.
4: Were you really a once a Venetian gondolier?
19: Yes. Bel- believe it or not, but not in Venice. Uh, <laughs> I've been doing it <laughs> okay. on and off over the last 20 years in Newport Beach, California. We've and got some canals there.
4: Because I remember I did it in Venice. The guy just kind of turns that stick around, and we go. I don't really know how it works.
19: It would take a lot of explanation. It's not as easy as it looks. But, um, but yeah, it's a load of fun. And uh, the company is actually still there. Um, if anyone wants to go on a gondola cruise, they're called Gondola
4: Adventures. All right. Uh, Steve Elkins, congratulations on the film, and thanks for stopping by.
19: My pleasure. Thanks for having me on the show.
4: All right. Babs Gray on the other side, kids. I'm Rick Tittle. Get on back.
13: I'm sorry, it's the, it's the pleats.
17: It's, a, it's actually an
13: optical illusion. It's the pattern on the pants. The, it's not fla- flattering in the, the crotchal region. I'm actually taking them back right now, taking them back to the, the pants store.
7: Tittle is a majestic stallion.
4: Oh, there's some doubt in your voice. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. You know I love the comedians when they're in town, and sometimes we get them on the horn as well. That's the phone, and we're quite happy to have Babs Gray with us. And it's a big day for her, not because she's on the show, but because her comedy album, her debut comedy album, is out today via a special thing records, and it's called "If I Did It." Babs, uh, was was it like Christmas Eve last night for you? What's it like today?
2: Yes, exactly. I waited for Santa to come and deliver my album to everybody, and I, so I hope everyone woke up with it um, under their tree morning. <laughs>
4: You know what? I was looking at your Twitter, and you're a woman after my own heart because you had Matthew Holness and Richard Iowade on there. Not many people know about uh, Garth Marenghi and Matt Berry and that whole crew. Those are those are my guys. I love those guys.
2: Oh my God, Sam! I'm a huge British comedy fan, and uh, yeah, that's definitely kind of what helped me get into comedy. And it's kind of a fun little thing, you know. It's a little Easter egg to connect with other people into that weird stuff.
4: Do you ever watch Matt Barry's Snuffbox with Rich Fulcher, who is the American genius on that show?
2: Oh, of course. When I first moved to L.A., I got like an internship. And there would be famous people coming into the office all the time. But Rich Fulcher is the one who I got really excited about. He came in once and everyone was like, who is this guy? How does she know who he
4: is? <laughs> and he probably went, ah, and grabbed your hair or something weird, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, pretty much exactly. He did a, he did a rich thing.
4: <laughs> all right, uh, Barbara. Is uh, is that just teachers and the doctor call you Barbara?
2: You know, it's up to everyone. They all—it's like fun to see what people want. You know, get Barb, Babs, Barbie. Sometimes mm. it's kind of like up to you.
4: Are you okay with Bar- Are you okay with Barbie?
2: It's that one's weird. I think I think my family members call me that, and they, that's like it.
4: Oh, okay. Yeah, that works, I guess. Well on the one hand, it's a <laughs> it's a doll, and on the other hand, it's also Klaus Barbie. So. Yes,
2: that's true. I mean, you know, I don't, I think that Barbie has very unrealistic body standards, so <laughs> I think that I should probably go burn all my Barbie dolls that I still have. But, <laughs> but yeah, so, it's, a, it's a good day. I'm, you know, I'm just excited. It's my first album. I, you know, I've been doing stand-up for over a decade now, and it's kind of like my first 10 years of, of everything I have in one place. So
4: from From where do you hail? Where were you reared, Babs?
2: Salt Lake City, Utah. That's where I recorded the album, actually.
4: Um, you know, I was just in Salt Lake last week. I was uh, went to the University of Utah and I was driving up Highway 15. Uh, I, I got to say, when you're in Salt Lake and you look west, you, you're looking at an ancient lake there, aren't you?
2: Yes. Yeah, the old Salt Lake. It's a pretty beautiful place. Um, really boring to grow up. And I was <laughs> definitely... You know, you got a Salt Lake, and uh, you got, like, maybe one or two bars, and that's about it. But I was an indoor kid, so I didn't appreciate the outdoors as much as I should have, I guess.
4: So you weren't SLC punk?
2: I was, I was like an in-between, mm-hmm. I was like a theater punk, you know. If, mm-hmm. uh, if that if that exists, that's what I was.
4: So Jack Mormon or not at all?
2: Not at all. just grew up a non-Mormon among all the Mormons, and mm-hmm. you know what? They were very sweet. I was, uh... They tried to convert me, you know, my high school crush tried to make me a Mormon so he could marry me when he got back from his mission, and I was like, I'm good on that. But, you know, it's nice to know that I could. I always have that option.
4: <laughs> yeah, I, well, it's funny, The a lot of people don't know this, is that the biggest Mormon temple on the West Coast is actually out here in Oakland, and uh, so I grew up with a lot of Mormons, and, uh, yeah, you talk about good neighbors and mowing the lawn and being nice and all that as well, but I also heard from some Jack Mormons and others, that for your boyfriend, you want to get him to propose before he goes on the mission so he doesn't get wandering eyes.
2: Exactly. No, he, you need to, he needs to lock it down. You know, you both got to lock that down before he leaves or else. I've also heard, you know, a lot of stories about things that happen on the mission as far as, like, you're not even allowed to, like, touch a woman. So some guys end up, like, using passing around watermelons to like jerk off into it's a whole thing i don't know there's a lot of kinky stuff going on yeah around. there are a lot of <laughs>
4: armpits and a lot of weird technicalities and <laughs> yeah
2: yeah lots of loopholes uh yeah, that people use double so.
4: entendre intended yeah <laughs> let's get
2: <laughs> but yeah they're they're sweet I, i'm glad you know they're very good at sweeping things under the rug and, and making pretending everything's fine, so I appreciate that.
4: Very good. Babs Gray is with us, the new comedy album, If I Did It, out today. Um, you know, it, it's funny when I think about Taco Bell and comedy. Chris Porter, who's been in here many times, he used to have a Taco Bell bit that's old as the hills, and people still ask him to do it. What What is your affinity with the bell?
2: You know, I mean, my joke about it is that, like, I go there so often that I legit am friends with my drive-thru guy, and we kind of, like, have to, we've gotten to know each other at this point, and, like, I feel like, I don't know, it's a little bit odd, it's like a coworker who you feel like you have to catch up with when you're in the elevator with them, so it's just, it's a very special relationship, and I feel like he gives me, you know, the extra packets of hot sauce and things like that, so I just feel like we've got something good going on.
4: And do you, do you, I mean, is it kind of a visceral batting your pretty eyes or is it more a, an actual real friendship?
2: Oh no, I would never flirt with a man just to get extra sauce packets. <laughs> I don't believe in that. <laughs> I don't believe in that. I, you know, it's purely just a, yeah, a good, solid friendship.
4: Gotcha. You know, it's funny. I don't know about crack cause I never tried it, but those chalupas, I mean, come on.
2: I know, same. I have tried crack many times, and <laughs> you know, you don't want chalupas your when you're on crack. But I will say that it's a pretty other. Mm-hmm.
4: So growing up, obviously uh, not shy. When did you did someone say to you, you know, you should try comedy, or did you think I got to try comedy?
2: I was yeah. I think everyone knew that I was destined to try and get the most attention possible in some way. So um, I didn't start it until I moved to LA. But like I said, I was obsessed with British comedy and just kind of like weird, you know, shows and stuff like that. And I just moved to L.A. because I loved comedy and I wanted to watch it. And so when I got out here, I went to open mics and I was like, wow, a lot of people suck at this. I should try it. And so I did. And then um, here I am.
4: I like to tell this story because I want to ask you your version of it. And if you go three hours up highway 15, you'll get to Rexburg, Idaho, the home of Ryan Hamilton. And he told me one time when he was starting off, he drove like six hours to some town in Montana. It was a bar show. No one listened, no one laughed. And as he was leaving the owner, this big blonde lady said, come in here for a second. I got to tell you something. And he's like, what? And he goes, no, lean in. I got a whisper. And he leaned in and she headbutted him really hard and then laughed. So he drove home holding the ice bag on his forehead, and he thought, if I don't quit now, I guess I'll never quit. So <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what is your headbutt story where you were like, maybe I don't want to do this?
2: Oh, my God, there's so many. It's like, especially those first few years, they're just so rough. I definitely remember one gig, like, I think, you know, maybe a year into doing comedy where I was, like, booked. And my friend, you know, all these people came out, and I was – I was on the dance floor. I was eye level with the crowd, which is never good. I was standing like 10 feet across from them, just with a microphone while they all stood and looked at me. And the band that was going on that night was loading their equipment in front of me. So they're all walking in front of me with their drums and everything the whole time. And I just kind of, you know, (laughs) screamed and tried to yell my jokes as much as I could and I don't know, even those experiences I loved. Like, even the worst experiences are the best when you do stand-up because, you know, it's always something different. But, yeah, that was probably one of my my first headbutt memories.
4: (laughs) And, you know, 20 years ago, maybe even more recently, we still have the, you know, MCs will say, Hey, want to hear a lady? We got a lady. (laughs) Are we past all that yet, or do you still get that?
2: Um, you know, it is getting a little bit better. Um, yeah, it's, it's not great though. It still happens. Like I I have a podcast called lady to lady and, Mm. uh, guys will will always mess up the name of it. They'll be like, Hey y'all, you heard girl on girl. They love that (laughs) one. Um, so yeah, it's, it's getting a little bit better, but it's nice in LA. You know, there's so many funny, uh, female comics here and just everywhere now that I think it's just the lineups are getting a little bit more diverse and a little bit better. So people aren't, that's not their default, but it's, it definitely still happens sometimes.
4: And uh, w- what are your thoughts on your personal thoughts on uh, Miss Brittany Spears and uh, her situ- <laughs> her situation right now?
2: Well, do you, I don't, you, I don't know if you know my involvement with it, but um, a little bit. I have another I have another podcast called Brittany's Graham, and we basically broke the Free Brittany movement a few years ago. A mm-hmm. whistleblower called into us and told us that she's been held against her will in a mental health facility and took off from there. And as we all know, she just confirmed all of that two days ago, which is the first time we really heard her speak um, from her own mouth about it. So, yeah, I just support her, and I'm glad she told everybody what the hell was going on. Because a lot of people are calling a conspiracy theory, and it's not, so it's good.
4: Feel good to be vindicated.
2: Absolutely. I mean, it's been a rough few years, and I've second-guessed myself many times. So it was, it was, it's very surreal to have somebody kind of validate all the stuff you've been thinking.
4: So, last question for you: If I did it out today, what are we going to find on this album?
2: You're going to find uh, me yelling "Come!" a lot with my parents in the room. That's always good. uh just i don't you know it's like it's funny because i do it's i'm almost like whatever i i- i recorded the album a few years ago, so I feel like it's just a raw like look at you know my best jokes cold over ten years and it's a lot of i I'm very silly i'm raw i'm very like open, and I think it's just you know it's comedy like even if you're not this is how good it is, even if you're not a woman, you might still laugh that's what I would say. <laughs>
4: All right, very good. Remember the podcast, Lady to Lady, and of course, uh, the debut comedy album, If I Did It, via A Special Thing Records and uh, also a limited edition Babs Gray enamel pin, which you can see on her Twitter, at Babs Gray, comes free with a uh, album download as well. Links to that uh, as well. Uh, Babs, when you're in town and you do the punchline or uh, Cobbs, come on in studio in San Francisco, we'd love to have you.
2: Yes, I'd love to. Thanks so much.
4: All right, good stuff. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break. Come on back.
13: Call Quit
1: Drugs 321 now at 800-338-6906. 800-338-6906. That's 800-338-6906. Paid for by the Detox and Treatment Helpline.
14: Hey, travelers, do you want to save money on your next flight? Then pick up the phone and call. That's right, call, because the best prices are not online. They're with SmartFares. See, SmartFares has special deals with the airlines, Also save up to 50% off business and first class tickets.
1: 855-325-1780 855-325-1780 That's 855-325-1780. Uh
16: what kind of music do you usually have here?
7: Oh, we got both kinds. We got country and western. <laughs> Tittle ate 200 chicken wings at your mama's house last night. Now, back to Fat Boy.
4: All right. uh, As I said uh, a little less than an hour ago that I had a little cliffhanger about people going to the wrong place. And this is an all-time classic. So, as you may or may not know, the European Championships in soccer are going on right now. They were supposed to be last summer. There was a pandemic. Still kind of is. But anyway, there were some uh, French fans who were on their way. To see France versus Hungary and so six of them uh, traveled to Bucharest and when they got there they found out that they were supposed to be in Budapest <laughs> Bucharest or Bucharest Bucharesti. that is the capital of Romania Budapest or Budapest uh, Buddha on one side Pest on the other side of the Danube That is the capital of Hungary, where they're supposed to be. That was 500 miles away. And uh, one of the fans said, it's like we're in the movie Home Alone. This is the first time we have traveled to this part of Europe. And to be honest, for me, until today, there was no difference between Bucharest and Budapest. We need to learn more about Europe Now, appreciate the honesty, but that is something that someone from America would say. (laughs) That is not something. Plus the fact that Hungary had already played two games. And so you'd seen Budapest written on the screen. The other thing is, if this is one guy, you're an idiot. But there are six? Not only that, the six all work together for an IT company. So, uh, <laughs> once they caught the mistake, it was too late. And when they tried to change their airline tickets, one fan said they blamed us because we don't know the difference between Bucharest and Budapest. Yeah, I'd say so. Because if I booked a trip to Detroit and I landed in Denver, would I get mad at my travel agent because I meant Detroit? No. Now, once said, we thought they were Ukrainians. Now we know they're Hungarians. That might be the stupidest statement of all because they're in Romania. This, as I mentioned, is one of my all-time favorite sports stories. I'm Rick Tittle. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you Monday morning at 9.